stand for today's New Testament reading from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So for those of you out there, I am Dr. Laura Brantley. I'm one of the pastors here at Brentwood United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor, Dr. Davis Chapel, is out uh, today. We celebrate with him today. His daughter, Haley, was married yesterday. And so um, he sent me a few pictures this morning, and uh, she looked absolutely beautiful. And I know that they were so excited and so happy. So we rejoice with them today. So last Wednesday, um, we have a Stillwaters prayer service that we do here in the sanctuary. You can come to that um, Wednesdays at 1130, and we were in that service, and Pastor Casey, who was just on the video that we saw just a moment ago, um, was sharing a word, and she was describing a cartoon that seemed to capture what we're going through these days, so I want to share it with you. So in the first panel of the cartoon, there's this male figure, and he's holding this ball, and there's writing on it. And on this ball, it says general anxiety. So this is just kind of your general run-of-the-mill anxiety. And so he's hanging on to this, and he's got a little smile on his face. He's doing okay. He's managing pretty well. And then in the second panel, another hand comes in and hands him another ball. So now he's holding these two, and the second one says COVID anxiety. And then in the third panel, another ball gets handed to him, and it's sitting on top, and he's holding all three, and it says, election anxiety. So now his smile is like turned into a frown, and he's struggling a little bit. And in the final panel, all of these other balls start coming in from all these different angles, and it's all the other things in his personal life that he's dealing with. And so each of us we have the, you know, the balls that we're juggling in our life and the things that are causing us anxiety. And for you, it could be something about job stress or maybe job loss. It could be school stress or family stress. It could be illness or grief. You know, we've had so many losses in our church um, in the last several weeks, and I know we have a lot of people among us who are grieving It is really hard to turn on the news and to see that the COVID cases are increasing dramatically in so many places, both here and across the world. Now, the experts predicted that would happen, but we all hoped that it would not happen. We're tired, and it seems like we have a long way to go. And every decision that we make brings an amount of concern with it 
that it doesn't usually. Things like, is it okay for my kids to go trick-or-treating? Questions a lot of parents were asking themselves this weekend. Is it safe to go visit grandma for Thanksgiving? Is it okay for me to go visit my children who live out of state over Christmas? And what about eating out? It doesn't really matter how small the question is or how big it is. It brings anxiety before us. It's like this slow drip, drip, drip of stress. And it's enough to get us down in the dumps. Well, Barbara Brown Taylor tells of a time when in her community there was this media coverage of a girl who had been um, abducted. And they said that the media coverage was so over the top that it made it feel like that no children were safe. And when a friend implied to her as much, she said that while she knew that she should have agreed or was expected to agree with the comment, she said, I did the math and I realized that although we were searching for this one precious girl, that the vast majority of children were safe in their own beds. And she said, it seems vital to remember this in the face of so much fear that was getting stirred up by the media. Now, psychologists refer to this thing that we tend to do as awfulizing. It's a funny little term, but it's when we take the facts of what is and we create a narrative in our mind that is so much worse. And there's a sense in which anxiety and fear can become like a social virus. Panic goes up and trust goes down. We begin to see each other with more suspicion than usual. Just think about what's happening in our country now. Suspicion over election happenings. Fears over racial tensions. And we begin to assume the worst of each other. And folks, when fear and anxiety take over and they begin eroding trust, we've got a big problem. Now, as Davis said recently, he shared with us that Robin Williams, who was diagnosed with the Lewy body dementia after his death, that he wrote in the cover of a book that his wife later found, quote, that my purpose is to help people be a little less afraid. And I thought, actually, that's not really a bad mission statement for the church. After all, Jesus came to set us free from the bondage and the fear of sin and evil and even death itself. And a constant refrain in scripture is fear not. If you read through so many different books of the Bible, you see that phrase, fear not, repeated again and again and again. And it's because we need to be reminded again and again and again. So today we're confronted with one of faith's big questions Will our trust in the presence and power of God's light overcome our fear of the dark that we see in the world? In his book, Letter to a Man on Fire, a cancer survivor, Reynolds Price, responds to a note from a young medical student who had developed a life-threatening cancer. The student writes to Price, I want to believe in a God who cares because I may meet him sooner than I had expected. I think I'm at the point where I can accept the existence of God, but I can't yet believe that God cares about me. So many of us have that thought, that worry. 
that, but, but am I worthy? Does God really care about me? And the disciples imply much the same concern today when in the midst of the storm, they ask Jesus, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So as we begin to examine our passage today, let's take a look at what happens just before the text that we just heard read. In those passages before, we see Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God in three different parables. And in each, he compares the kingdom to a tiny, vulnerable seed, but that has enormous power and potential. So Jesus has been teaching all day long when our passage starts, and he turns to his disciples and he says, let's go to the other side. Now, he was talking about going to the other side of the lake, to the land of the Gerasenes. Now, Davis preached on this text last week in the process of going to the other side of the lake. And over there, we'll remember from last week that Jesus cast out this legion of demons, for they were many from this man that was there and had suffered for many years. Now, when Jesus made the request to go to the other side, the text says that the disciples took him in the boat, quote, just as he was. Now, that little phrase, just as he was, might just escape our attention. It's easy to read over. Why was that included? Why does the text say that they took him just as he was? Let's hold that thought as we proceed. So Jesus and the disciples started across the Sea of Galilee. And as Davis mentioned last week, it's really common for storms to abruptly come up on the sea there. So I imagine that these, there are many fishermen among the disciples and they had probably experienced these storms on the sea before. So they knew um, the risk in that. The sea can be completely calm one minute and raging the next. And that's a little like I think some of us felt when COVID came on the scene, right? Everything was perfectly calm, sunny, beautiful day, and then bam, out of nowhere, COVID hits the scene and our lives are tossed about. And it's just quite frankly turned upside down. Everything changed almost in an instant. Now, I wonder if um, any of you have seen the movie, The Perfect Storm. Now, this movie is based on a true story about the loss of a ship and crew of the Andrea Gale in a massive storm. They called it the storm of the century. So if you saw the movie, you may remember the tragic scene when this monstrous wave, it's a rogue wave, they called it, that capsizes the ship. Now, this scene is so incredibly vivid because the wave is so incredibly large. It's massive. It's ominous. And just seeing the power of it gives you the sinking feeling that you're not in control. And someone explained when a wave reaches the height that it's taller than the boat is long, that's when you know that you're in trouble, that there's nothing that the crew can really do to get out of that. Now, in our text today, four of the disciples that we're aware of were fishermen. They were experienced fishermen. So they knew the dangers of being caught in the storm on the sea. And the text says that as they were making their way across the sea in these gale force winds, they just arose suddenly, um, that they were being tossed about, that the waves were coming in the boat. Now, it wasn't the scale maybe that we um, would imagine the Andrea Gale experienced, but here they were in a small boat in the middle of a sea in the midst of a storm 
with winds that are strong enough, gale force winds are strong enough that it makes it hard to stand up. They can even get strong enough that they can damage buildings and uproot trees. So now here's something really important to notice. That as this danger is real, the disciples wake up Jesus and they don't say, Jesus, wake up and save us. Rather, they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? So they accuse Jesus. They were thinking, you know, here we are about to drown and you're sleeping. How can you leave us to face this storm all alone? So after being accused by his closest friend, Jesus gets up and he simply says to the wind and to the sea, hush, be still. And it does. Now, interestingly, these are the very same words that Jesus spoke when he cast out a demon in Mark 1. He says, silence, be still, come out. So at the command of Jesus, we see demons flee and seas quieten and a great calm comes over the people and the land. Pay attention to this. After the sea became perfectly calm, Jesus turns to the disciples in the midst of that silence and that stillness and he asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still not have faith? What was he referring to? Was it their fear of the stormy seas? Perhaps, but perhaps not entirely. For the text says that after the seas were calmed, an even greater fear came over the disciples. What's this about? Why are they even more afraid after the sea is calm? Jesus must have seen it on their faces before he even asked the question. These men had seen forceful winds and crashing waves bow low and become perfectly calm just by Jesus speaking a few words. Peace. Be still. This is something only God could do. Peace. Be still. And know that I am God. So the disciples ask, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's the same response they had when they saw him cast out the demon. Who is this that even the demons obey him? Now pay attention, Jesus never said there's nothing to be afraid of. The storm was real, the danger was real, the pandemic is real. The impact of the election has real consequences. Yet none of this changes the fact that there is a power that is bigger than all of these things. 
And that is the object of our faith. We should not put our faith anywhere else. Everything else is but dust. So the disciples experienced an even greater fear after the sea became calm because they had just witnessed a power that was even greater than the storm itself. Maybe they're starting to get it. Maybe they're starting to see just a glimpse of who Jesus really is. Our faith is in a God who has the power with just a few words to calm the angry sea, to give us strength and hope, not in the denial of reality, but in the midst of things just as they are from a son of man, just as he is. In fear, we cling to things. We try to control things. But in faith, we surrender into the deep and into something that we can trust that is much bigger than we are. And we discover when the storms have flipped us upside down and pulled us down to the bottom of the sea that we will find him there. He is the firm foundation that is at the bottom of all of it. And he has plans for us, plans not to harm us, but for our good. Theologian Frederick Buechner says, quote, that Christ sleeps in the deepest selves of all of us, and whatever we do and whatever time we have left, wherever we go, may we, in whatever way we can, call on him as the fishermen did in their boat to come awake within us, to give us courage, to give us hope, to show us each one our own way. May he be with us, especially when the winds go mad and the waves run wild, as they will for all of us, so that even in their midst, we may find peace. We may find Christ. And St. Augustine invites us to consider that when we feel lost, that maybe it's because Christ is asleep in us that we have forgotten his presence and that it's time for us to rouse him, to remember him, to let him keep watch within us and to pay heed to him. So as we face the winter months that are coming up upon us, let's not look at the storms. Let's look to the face of God through Jesus Christ Trusting every moment that there is a reality, even when it seems hidden or asleep in us, that has the power and the potential to change the world. Let us remember that it is God's perfect love that casts out fear. And let us know this day that God's light is so much bigger and so much powerful than even the darkest storms. Thanks be to God. Amen.